0: friends. Welcome back to Parenting for the Culture on the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm Sheree Sims, and today we're going to be doing something a little different. Part of the parenting journey is talking to other parents about their trials and tribulations and learning from one another. And I couldn't think of a better mama to start with than someone I've known for quite some time. She's a wife, a mama of three beautiful boys. Plus, she's the co-founder of Black Love Inc., the director of the Black Love docu series, a podcast host, and just all the things. I'm so excited to talk parenting with Cody Elaine Oliver. Hey! <laughs> Welcome, Cody. Thank you for being here. Of and course. thank you for allowing me to do this podcast. I actually just realized that I think I can add to this list that you're also my boss. Are you my <laughs> new boss? Like, I, I just realized O-M-G. that. OMG. <laughs> Never I'm, thought of it that way. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And my boss, y'all uh so before we get started uh-huh. can you share with us how old the boys are and one word you could use to describe them uh the oldest is five
1: that is brooks and the twins are three aristotle and Langston. one
0: word to describe all three of them funny brooks is like a groundhog day five-year-old yeah. like in my mind he's been five for three years now oh, yeah because he's grown
1: he's, <laughs> he's very grown, grown
0: and a genius So, Cody, tell us a little bit about how you were raised. Mm, How was I raised? The short version
1: is that my mom's a doctor. Lord, my mom's a (laughs) lawyer. My dad's a doctor. And they were married until I was 11. And then they got divorced and I was blindsided. So, weirdly, I don't remember a lot before I was 11. It's Mm -hmm. a very weird thing. I don't know if the two things are tied. Mm -hmm. But... I don't remember a lot. There are moments that I remember for sure. Like my grandfather, my mom's from North Carolina, my dad's from Texas, but they met at Howard and um, they were together like 16 years or married 16 years before Mm -hmm. they got divorced, but they were together longer than that. Um, my grandfather from North Carolina, he used to come visit, like he would drive from North Carolina to Fort Worth, Texas, um, and he would bring oatmeal cream pies. I know that has nothing <laughs> to do with your question, but these are like my these memories, These are childhood right? memories, yeah. Um, and my grandparents, my dad's side lived in Fort Worth. So okay. I remember like we would go to church on Sunday. We would mm-hmm. go to their house for
0: breakfast and Sunday school and church. So and... you grew up in church or this is when you were visiting your
1: No, girl, I grew up in church in okay. Fort Worth, Texas until my parents got divorced. <laughs> Um, and let's see. And I have a sister. <laughs> She's six and a half years older than me, which is like a lot. And
0: we're gonna talk like, about your
1: sister sure, because in my it.
0: mind there was no sister. I know, and I, know. I heard you talking about your sister recently and I was like, what sister? I totally <laughs> have a sister. And I mean, that's
1: that's what I remember about that time. I feel mm-hmm. like I remember being raised or I remember being parented after mm-hmm. that. When my parents got divorced, I was going from house to house suddenly. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? My dad moved out. And that is probably the most, like, pivotal mm-hmm time in my life is, is 11 a- and after because they were, I think, finding themselves in a way. They had been married and together for all this time since yeah. college. yeah And now they're discovering themselves and they're dating. My sister has gone off to college at this point. So I'm just like the solo child mm-hmm. seeing them in their new environments, yeah. trying to be a teenager. Uh, I played sports. I played volleyball, basketball, and I ran track. And yeah, so they would agree, but we were like parenting each other. Like I'm sure they were doing some actual parenting. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> not taking anything away from them, but we were learning each other and and like being accountable to each other.
0: I think that's true of all parents that your children are parenting you, that you are reparenting yourself, and then you're parenting your children. Yeah, and I think for me, I feel like I have birthed a new part of myself every time I birthed a new child that had to. You know, we all parented each other. Yeah. Um, so you say that you were blindsided. So I, I have two questions with that. One, was it just like a happy home before that? And there was for obviously me, no indication. For me, it
1: was a happy home before that. Well, that's beautiful. My sister would say differently. She's like yeah. I said, six years older. So I'm 11. She's 17. So, so she she's saw a lot whatever more. she saw. I mean, I the, the short version was that my dad was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. which when they got divorced, so I get like, I don't I remember them getting divorced, but I remember um, maybe a year later getting someone coming to my classroom at school to be like your dad's in the hospital because he was in he That's went to rehab. Traumatic. It was all very traumatic. That's so. Very traumatic. He went to rehab, but again, I did not know. Yeah. I did not know. Um they're very loving. Toward me and each other, like that's mm-hmm. my observation. But my dad, you know, he was, and the, and my understanding of the way that that played out as a doctor in particular mm-hmm. was there were a lot of times that my mom had to like cover for him, you know, take you know taking calls. This is when there's pagers and people. Mm-hmm. Are, he, <sighs> he delivered babies for a period. People are going into labor, having emergencies, and she's having to like take Put care of virus. him and be a be, be a middleman and like get him together so he can go um, do his job. Um, Again, not seeing any of this. Yeah. And so that weighed on her. Yeah. And ulti- and I'm sure there were other things, right? But ultimately, they made the decision. She was like, if this doesn't change, I'm going to go.
0: Yeah. and Even so if that's there what weren't happened. other things, I think that's enough. I think yeah. that sounds very heavy. Yeah. A lot for someone. But for me, I really didn't see it or experience it. Do you wish... You did have an indication beforehand. Do you wish that you weren't blindsided? And I kind of ask because I think as parents, Mm -hmm. we are always questioning Mm -hmm. how much to share with our children, how much to hide from our children. I know even with my own marriage, there are times like my husband and I have had the conversation of like, what disagreements do we or don't we have Mm -hmm. in front of the children? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, well, they should see how to Mm -hmm. resolve conflict and those things, but then also yeah. arguing can cause stress for a child. So yeah, as the child, what do you wish? I'm honestly going to say, I,
1: now granted, I have so much perspective. Mm-hmm. I was 11, I am now 38. Right. But I would say <laughs> that I would not change that. Okay. I would not change that. Yeah. I can't imagine what they could have said or done. Who Who knows what path that would have put me or us on, but I wouldn't. Good to know.
0: So... <laughs> Hiram wins. We shall argue in the bedroom. <laughs> no, I mean, like, <laughs>
1: look, look, at, at the end of the day, we would we would very not likely have black love had that not happened to me.
0: So that's actually one of my later questions that <laughs> I'm going to ask you now since you brought it up. So I have noticed, not just with you, mm-hmm. with a lot of people and their success, that success sometimes, what seems to me a lot of times, comes out of a place of lack. hmm Um, when things are underrepresented, like Black Love, Mm -hmm. you came up with the Black Love docuseries. And now, from my perspective, you and Tommy do very well. You guys have this beautiful family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're a product of a divorced family. Your children are growing up in a married home. Mm -hmm. And I think as parents, we sometimes try to shield our children from all the things and try to have them live in this bubble. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are certain things that are really hard life truths that actually end up being a really great product of their success that blesses so many other people. So I want to know your thoughts on that when it comes to your boys and how you, how do you, yeah. Like what are your thoughts and how do you gauge around mm-hmm.
1: that? Ooh, chill. I mean, I definitely feel extremely responsible for who they are and who they become mm-hmm. while also knowing that I can't control it. Mm-hmm. But I feel very conscious of what I share with them. And I don't mean what I share with them like good or bad. It's not that. I just mean like I always want them to see people as human. Yes. And including themselves, right? And give grace. Yeah. So that's probably my answer regarding like how I parent. But going back to that period, right? The the immediate impact was my parents got divorced. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. They've been together all this time. I don't know how to know if a relationship works or not. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, I was already a person who like I have probably, oh, Lord, are these things all tied together? I probably <laughs> fell in love when I was 11. I remember summer mm-hmm. camp. I remember his name. <laughs> okay. What was um, his name? No. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation when when we stop recording. <laughs> um, but I, I remember that I've always been a person who loved love. Mm-hmm. And and so, I'm and, you know, we're talking probably in, in the course of a year, I, I couldn't tell you which thing happened first, right? In terms of the year that I was 11, 11 12. But it definitely sent me down a path of like, oh, so w- what makes a relationship work or not work? If right. theirs didn't. Which led to many years later, also knowing statistics around being the kid of a divorced parent, of divorced Mm -hmm. parents, I'm more likely to get divorced, and then the black marriage crisis. And so this perfect storm of things made me Mm -hmm. like, well, I want to ask people who are married (laughs) how to do it. Because all these things are pointing to the fact that, like, I won't be able to be successful because my parents weren't and because I'm black, Mm -hmm. which is not factual. But that's what the media will tell us. So it was this perfect storm, honestly. Mm -hmm. But the gift in my parents getting divorced, regardless of the blindsidedness or not, is that I was able to spend all of this time with them alone, mm-hmm. um, and and that was even a gift with my sister being gone. I don't know how it would have been different if she were there. Maybe I maybe I would have, you know, hidden behind her presence, yeah. right, and not spent the time with them that I that I did. Um, and she was there for a little while. I think it was probably like a year or so before she mm-hmm. went to college. So this it's a perfect storm that created. To your point, like the lack that made me curious, mm-hmm. maybe obsessed, um, that led <laughs> to me creating a business around love. So, yeah. I, I don't
0: know if that answers your question at all. A little bit. <laughs> Keep them a coming. Little bit. I'm here but, all day. But I'm wondering. So the question has more to do with, as parents, uh-huh. we try to ensure mm-hmm. that our children don't have any lack. Yes. Some lack is just inevitable. So I guess if I were to rephrase the word, like, what do you see or maybe foresee your children? I guess we can't mm. foresee their lack. Yeah, but because
1: because because I know it can go either way. Mm-hmm. I know that the lack can lead to something incredible mm-hmm. or the lack can lead to like trauma and lots of therapy or both.
0: <laughs> is there anything right now that you are like mm-hmm. trying hard to make sure that 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 doesn't happen for sure. them? Sure. Girl, being there,
1: like I have a whole business yeah. that's, that we started when Brooks was born. Yeah. And over the five years of his life, there's been these ebbs and flows of me being home a lot mm-hmm. and me not being home a lot. And so I think about, and, and the knowing, you could probably word it better than me because you probably know, but like the period from zero to four, zero to five being to the, five. the most like critical time in their lives where they... <laughs> They are defined as humans. Um, right. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, I think, but but it's an important time, and so like, am I there enough? Mm-hmm. And is it too late <laughs> for e- any of them? So for me, right now, with the age that they are, right, it's not like they're 13, and I'm looking back, right. Um, the the lack that I don't know what it will mean ultimately is that. Is like, mommy's not home. They're spending a lot of time with our wonderful nanny. Mm -hmm. And then I have to remind myself that putting wonderful people in their lives is part of my role. Mm -hmm. So that would be the only thing that like weighs on me in terms of a lack. Okay. Yeah.
0: And can I give my two cents on that? Yeah, girl. So (laughs) I'm here to learn from you. First of all, it is zero to five. Uh And that is the critical period of time where their brain is expanding Uh the most. They're able to learn the most things. But Mm -hmm. that's also where they kind of gain their paradigm of what the world looks like. Mm -hmm. Is the world good? Is the world bad? Mm -hmm. And the rest of their lives, it's never too late. The rest of their lives are just spent confirming or denying Mm -hmm. that which they have been taught is true. That's great. I would argue my kids definitely know the world is good.
1: Definitely believe the world is good based on this first five
0: years. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing because... Similar to how the self-fulfilling prophecy, like if we believe something about ourselves, it comes true. We literally can do the same thing for other people. So a lot of times children who believe the world is good bring out the best in other people. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a child with a grumpy old man, but a grumpy old man may not want to talk and the child just brings out the little smile in them. So... Mm -hmm. I would say that your children are good and happy. Yeah. Um. I, I also think it. like from my own experience, one thing I've noticed is like children who, as you say, have people placed in their life to meet all of their needs and care for them, like they're okay. I don't think it always has to, for some reason as parents, we believe it always, especially as moms, we're mm-hmm. always like, it has to be me. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one. To read to them every night, I have to be the one to put them to sleep. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one to do all the things. But I think as long as they get those things, they seem to be happy.
1: You know what it is too is that I want to create an environment of openness. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, my goal at the end of the day, or my hope, or my dream, is that that they can tell me anything. Yeah, and. There's, I think, probably a lot of work and effort that goes into creating that space or subtle work. They don't need to know. I'm not like, oh, tell me everything every day, <laughs> right? But um, being present mm-hmm. for anything is a part of that. Yeah. And if I'm not present now, am I setting that groundwork? So that's probably like my inner fear. Yeah. Because that's my biggest goal.
0: Yeah. I know. I think about that. For me... More than being there, it's how I respond when they mess up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like I if they mess up or do something wrong, but feel like I'm a safe space, then I'm always that safe space where they can come and talk. Yes. you're laughing. Tell I'm us the story. Because <laughs> I'm
1: very like um, literal <laughs> with with that, and and sometimes it just feels like let me just say all the things so mm-hmm. that they know, and then other other times, of course, I I act, I I, I show, yeah, not tell, right. And so I, I have taken to saying to them, like, I love you when you're mad. I love mm-hmm. you when you're happy. I love you when you're sad. I love when you make bad choices. I love you when you like. I give them all the bad things, That's right? Beautiful. Like, I love when you do that, and I, and I and I love when you're happy, and I love when you're laughing, and I love and I do mm-hmm. that, girl. Why did Langston? He was going off about something, just crying and screaming, and not like crying like he's sad, like he has uh-huh. done something wrong or hit somebody or something, mm-hmm. and he's in trouble and he's crying and he's like, literally, he's three year old, three years old. You said you love me when I'm crying, <laughs> and I'm like, uh. <laughs> I had to laugh because I'm like.
0: You're right, I I do. He's getting the
1: message. Not only is he getting the message, the the boy
0: repeated it back to me. Like, I love him. That's beautiful. I loved it. He's getting the message. He's going to take it with him for life. He's going to be at the bar at 23 being crazy, talking about, my mama said she loved me when (laughs) I'm drunk. (laughs) I'll take it.
1: That is all I want, is for them to know that they are loved and to tell me all their secrets.
0: I do think, I think that, You do that very well. And your boys are some of the most loving boys that I know. And I I almost said
1: loving when you said one word, but it was like, let me try to think of something else.
0: They are funny. I think loving. For sure. I mean, I know Brooks better than I know the twins. And Brooks is one of the kindest, most loving, most considerate humans that I know. And it's really amazing to me because he's so young and he's so smart. Mm. (laughs) And you don't usually get both. Like a lot of times... I, I'm not saying that as a put down to anybody else. No, I'm no, just no. saying intelligence, right? Yeah. There are different types of intelligences mm-hmm. and usually people that are intelligent in the realm of reading and math yeah. and science, they're not also emotionally intelligent. Yeah. yeah. They just like you have a dominance mm-hmm. and Brooks is emotionally intelligent and academically intelligent. He's, he's an amazing boy I, I and agree. Eden's available. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so you talked about not, not, you know, one thing that you worry about is not being there and that, you know, you have Erica there. And I don't know if I share this with you, but you have taught me a really great thing in parenting. Mm -hmm. And that was recently at the twins' birthday it was like after the birthday party. I mm-hmm. think they had gone up to get ready for bed, and we had like our little mommy circle time in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Oh, literally, <laughs> we were sitting on the floor, in literally the kitchen, on the floor, drinking in a circle, crisscross <laughs> applesauce. A bunch of grown women, yep. mommies, just letting the other kids run free while some kids are going to bed. Some yep. kids, I don't know, they might have been drawing on the walls. But we were like, we're happy, <laughs> we're having circle time, and your mom was there.
1: Yes, she was probably having her. circle time. I love
0: her. <laughs> Um, and I don't, we're talking about all different kinds of things. And then you start talking about Erica. I think maybe it was like, let me check where the boy, I don't know. But Erica Mm -hmm. came up and you started talking about how much you love Erica and that you hope she'll be around forever. And then you referenced your mom's relationship with your nanny when Uh you were younger. (laughs) Oh Lord. For me, little Thelma and Louise. (laughs) You can tell us about their relationship. (laughs) Um, but for me, that moment was so mind blowing. I can't I really can't even articulate it. And part of it is because so often in my own work, I talk about breaking generational cycles. And sometimes this is in the realm of like spanking children or Mm -hmm. yelling at Mm -hmm. children, but I've never thought about it until that moment in the realm of positive things that we can do for ourselves as parents and positive Mm -hmm. things that we can give to our children. And I realized that I grew up with the message that having a nanny was a bad thing and that it meant I wasn't doing well enough and I grew up, you know, going to school where most of the children did have nannies Mm -hmm. and I won't talk a lot about my mom and her own stuff, but I don't know if my mom was jealous. I don't know what it was, Um, but she used to always like just little things. She'd be like, Oh yeah, they're nanny. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so even just that small way of saying the word nanny, it gave a negative feeling to it. Um, So I think as, as a parent and as we know, I have six children. So I very well would love a nanny and love help. And I remember my husband would say this from two, three children. He was like, we should get a nanny. I was like, and I would always be insulted by that. I don't mm. need a nanny. I can do it. What do you mean we need a nanny? Oh, you think I can't mom? Like, And so I, I just always kind of stayed away from this idea of having someone else support me with my children in that way, because I thought it meant that I wasn't doing my mm-hmm. job. But when I heard you talking about it, I was like, oh, She grew up with a nanny. She has a nanny for her children. Like, this is one of those generational things, but it's a thought process that Mm -hmm. we're passing down. Yeah. That support is good. Yeah. (laughs) And it's okay. So, I wanted you to talk a little bit about Thelma and Louise. And,
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay. Well, first, let me say that I have some of the same stigma, mm-hmm. right? Like I grew up the person who people would be like, oh, she got a nanny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Tommy to this day, like he's always talking about my silver spoon and it annoys me. Like I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, my parents were like, as I just described, like, right. sh- like shit was not perfect, right. right? They were divorced and acting crazy and th- separately yeah. eventually. And um, hospital announcements in the middle of class. All these things, right? <laughs> but yet I was still the kid who like, would be not made fun of, but like right. teased because I had a nanny or because my parents were the Cosby's, right? Uh-huh. The doctor and the lawyer. So it was always uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather I never knew how it would be received. Mm-hmm. But I also knew like my parents were at work, who's gonna pick me up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get home. <laughs> Um, so fast forward to like, you know, I went through all the same things the first time we hired a babysitter for Brooks was Mm -hmm. like this, like, am I not doing enough? Am I not enough? Am I, should I be home? Like all the same things. And then, you know, escalating that to full time. Right. And so even saying the word nanny. Right. Like I did not say it for a long time. I still, there's still times when I don't say Mm -hmm. it. There's times when I, when I, yeah, there's times when I don't say it or I sort of like read the room or whatever. Mm -hmm. So all of that is really still a thing. Yeah. Because there there are stigmas from different people. And um, but I absolutely need Erica. I absolutely need help. I don't want say need full time help. Like it like it's it's been an evolution, right? Yeah. Um, and we had three kids in two years. Yeah. And we have we both work full time. And, and
0: And you had twins. I had not twins. just three yes. kids, but twins yes. who are literally double the yes. calling. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and so all of that to say like I'm I'm very grateful to have found someone I, I've had really good support as well we had mm-hmm. two nannies prior to Erica um, and so she's been with us like a year and a half but I'm really grateful to have her mm-hmm. um, and her experience and her experience as a mom she has an 18 year old son anyway so all of that about Erica and so I do think <laughs> about like well the twins are going to go to school at yeah. some point and we're not going to need this like nine to six help, right? But I need to figure out a way for her to stay forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> like um, at that time, I think in November was the twins' birthday you were talking about. I was probably just tr- realizing that. So yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do exactly. And I know she loves us and wants to stay as long as possible, but it has to make sense. right? And so to your point, two things. One is that Thelma and Louise, mm-hmm. my, my mom and Miss Pearl, uh, Miss Pearl was my nanny from like I don't know probably pre eleven pre the divorce mm-hmm. till now uh-huh. she helps my mom <laughs> my mother my mother's seventy Miss Pearl I think is your closer. mom is not she's seventy, 70. yes and Miss Pearl's probably like seventy five. And so now Miss Pearl comes over and she cleans the house like once every mm-hmm. three days or something like. She comes over a couple times a week, but it's just the way that they bicker, but also our <laughs> homies. Like it's hilarious. So it is absolutely hilarious. And they and they help each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't even know to this. Like if Miss Pearl really needs a job, right? Right. But, but my mom enjoys her, and Miss Pearl enjoys helping my mom, and it works for everybody. And so. Just that relationship that's so much more than like nanny parent right. or even housekeeper parent. Like, it's yeah. just. Well,
0: they become a part of your family. They've,
1: yes, she's absolutely a part of our family, but even more so because I'm not in Texas anymore, right? Like, I've right. been gone since 2000 something. I've been, I went to college in 2001, right? Mm-hmm. So, for them to have their own thing for like 20 years <laughs> is just hilarious. Um, and me and Erica going to have to figure it out. But,
0: and you will. <laughs> I'll help you. Cause I love Erica too. She's not yeah. going nowhere. I appreciate that. She'll send me videos of the, of I the know. boys, you know, I'm like, Oh, she's lo- she loves them. She's in this. So we're keeping you Erica forever. Yep, yep. <laughs> she's going to love this. Um, what <laughs> would you tell a mom who's struggling to accept support?
1: Mm. Um, the same thing I tell Ashley Chia all the time. Um, no, I've been telling Ashley for years to get some support. So what would I tell a mom who's struggling to accept support? I mean, to, to to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> i would literally offer the baby step of you can stay home with them like right. like overlap an hour or 2 hours like you don't feel like you have to let go mm-hmm. that's my biggest piece of advice for the beginning it's hard and it's scary and you you know and you feel like well, i can do it yeah but if you have someone there you can observe them you yeah. can see how you feel and then ultimately know that like you're you're giving yourself a gift Right? Yeah. You're giving yourself freedom to work on your passion or to work on your job or, yeah. to, or to get a facial if that's what you need to do. But we all know, like, it's no secret that, like, mom time, self-care, all of that is very valuable. And it helps yeah. us show up as our best selves for our families. So there's no doubt that support is, is helpful. But also we put so much on ourselves. I have no family here. Mm-hmm. And if I did, maybe I would still have a nanny. But yeah. we don't have any family in Los Angeles. And so this was a no-brainer for us mm-hmm. that still people are like, oh, you have a nanny? <laughs> yes, because we don't have grandmothers and aunties and cousins. It's
0: it really the stigma is very funny to me and the criticism and judgment of it because it's funny to me to look at you and say, Oh, you have a nanny. And ignore all of the other things that you guys are doing that we can see the products of and know that it probably requires the most work. (laughs) And so what if you Mm -hmm. got caught up in the stigma Mm -hmm. of it, Mm -hmm. if you got caught up in pride of trying to say I did it by myself, what would your businesses look like?
1: It's funny. I had an answer before you said, "What would your businesses look like?" First of all, I would probably have a nanny. I just would never talk about it. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't walk <laughs> like around. This saying, is not an option. We... I wouldn't walk around saying I did it myself. But I would just be like, "Ooh, it's hard." <laughs> um, but what would my businesses look? There wouldn't be. There wouldn't be a business yeah. without um, without that. I mean, okay. So then, let me be realistic. Right? There's something in between failing at business and not having a nanny, and that's like daycare, right? Right. Um, that's something that we. Didn't really explore in part because we wanted accessibility to Brooks. This was mm-hmm. like first with him. We wanted the accessibility. We we lived down the street from the office and it allowed us to come home whenever we want and see him or have her bring him over. And, you know, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of there was accessibility that was important to us and trust. Everything's a sacrifice, right? Like childcare, specifically having a babysitter and then eventually a nanny was a priority of ours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we, there are a lot of things that we sacrificed as a result. Yeah. So, you know, and that, and that's the case now. Girl. Like I, I think about like how much money I would have if I did not have these children. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot. It
0: goes, it goes to other people now. Well, I say kudos to you. I think it's great. And as you know, I ended up in the hospital last week yes, or girl. maybe two And weeks I ago. was immediately like, can we send her some child send care, please? Her some help. And I will tell you that. I cannot thank you enough because we think we can do all the things on our own. Technically we can, we cannot do them well, but we literally cannot do them when we're in the hospital. So, and it shouldn't get to that point where that's the first time. And I'm glad that was not the first time that I sought out, you know, help or a babysitter or whatever, but like, I would not have wanted that to be my indicator that you need help and you can't do it alone. So thank you for your support and your example. So I always wonder in, in, my having six children, I literally fantasize about them being adults and being close, I agree. and, like we same, do these same. yearly uh, ladies' nights before the boy came along. And I imagine I that, <laughs> oh, I will. That's He'd fine. have so much fun. He told me girls are boring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but i it is one of my greatest, like hopes that even after I'm gone, my girls will be eighty years old, still having yeah. ladies' night together, same. right. And I look at my husband and his sister. Well, I'll talk about me and my sister first. Me and my sister did not grow up together. She's 11, 12 years older than me. You know, she and I did not grow up together. But as adults, she's one of my best friends. And so a lot of times when I look at my own daughters, I hope that they will see us together and be like, okay, you're supposed to be best Mm -hmm, friends. Like, I just mm -hmm. kind of think that, you know, I just hope that we'll exemplify that for them and that they'll all grow up and love each other. But they're also six totally, four or five girls, you mm-hmm. know, one boy. They're six totally different people. Mm-hmm. And within six people, there probably are going to be some personalities that just don't mesh. And as a mom, I kind of got a prep for my heart to be broken mm-hmm. that my children mm-hmm. may not grow up to be best friends or very close. So I guess, like, I'm kind of looking, I'm wondering, one, how you imagine Brooks and the Twins As they grow up? Yeah. Same.
1: I mean, look, imagine and hope are different, right? And Mm -hmm. so, like, I truly hope and I try to foster an environment where they love and respect each other, where they have, like, intentional time together. Um I try to listen to like parenting podcasts and things. And this what I'm about to like, use as an example. is isn't even a parenting podcast. It's, uh, I want to say it was Brene Brown. And she was interviewing oh, like siblings that work together or mm-hmm. something like
0: that. And oh, you this... sent me that. I did? Yeah.
1: Yes. That uh, was like a, a, a Latino couple who, st- couple, uh, brother, sister, <laughs> <laughs> who started a business. Um, it was a food related business. And they were talking about how their parents whenever they would fight, not just them, they had other siblings would like force mm-hmm. them to hug after. Mm-hmm. Like, and so they were like, we just didn't have a choice. We just had right. to like each other <laughs> and stuff like that can go either way, of course. But I try to be that parent. That's like, okay, give him a hug. And I also try to pay attention to how they feel right. about it, you know, but I'm like, okay, tell him your story. Look him in the eyes. Okay. Give him a hug. I try to pay attention to that. Um, cause I absolutely want them to be close. Right. I absolutely want them to, to be able to depend on each other, no matter where they are. And in the perfect world, going to business together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be the perfect world? I'd be planting those seeds in my children all the time. Now, let me ask you in that, Mm -hmm. wanting them to be close, to what extent or to what sacrifice would you want them to be close? To what sacrifice? And I, I ask that in the realm of sometimes you do have a sibling. Maybe they have a mental health disorder. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something going wrong. And I know Mm -hmm. your kids, they're all good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But sometimes you have a sibling who might be harmful towards you Mm -hmm. to be too close to them and who might take more than they give and it just becomes unhealthy. So to what extent, which one is more important to you and how do you cultivate both?
1: I hope to cultivate them looking at each other and giving grace Mm -hmm. like and looking at each other as human Being able to love each other and support each other, even if they know, based on experience, that that should be from afar. Mm -hmm. Like, I still want them to respect themselves and their boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So that's that's important to me. My hope, of course, is that they're all besties. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that it
0: might not be the case.
1: You know, I cannot control their individual personalities. And so.
0: How did your parents nurture you and your sister having a relationship? Or what do you think? If they could have done, could they have done anything better? You know, I honestly more.
1: my parents were going through a lot. (laughs) Yeah. When they were married, when they got divorced. Um, And so I often refer to the gift of them getting divorced for me being the intentional time that I got to spend with them. Mm -hmm. but added to that was that each of us, my sister was in college, my parents were in different homes living their, you know, living out the lives that they couldn't when they were married mm-hmm. and I was in high school. Each of us was like growing up independently of each other and we had to create our own bonds, right? So there was no. My sister's name is Lee. There was no like Cody and Lee hanging out. There was a little bit of that, <laughs> and I, and I'll and I'll share. But it wasn't like we were just hanging out, kicking it. She was in Virginia. She was at Hampton when okay. I was in high school in Texas, mm-hmm. and and so everybody was an individual, and we had to forge those relationships with mm-hmm. one another. And that's also why like my sister's relationship with my mom or with my dad was completely different than my relationship with my mom and with my dad. Right. So the time that we did have was, was ours and it was intentional. It was mm-hmm. like me going to visit her at school. Um, what were my parents doing? I don't even, I don't know. I remember <laughs> being like Thanksgiving and I'm at Hampton, like kicking it with the college girls. But that's how it was then. Then I went to Howard and she moved to DC. So oh, that nice. was really the first time that we were like adultish uh-huh. in the same city. Yeah. And it was interesting because she graduated from Hampton and went to to D.C., not to Howard. She went to D.C. and it was like she wanted to be big sister. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was like, sis, you ain't been here. <laughs> you cool and all. Right. But <laughs> I've been alone, you know, right. essentially um, all this time. And so that was definitely a huge adjustment.
0: Yeah. Part of why I asked this also is because I mentioned my husband earlier. He has two siblings close to his younger brother not close to a sister. I think I can say, I feel like we all know that it's not a secret. Um, and I always kind of ask him like, what happened? Why are mm-hmm. you not close? Cause he mm-hmm. talks about the fact that they were close when they were younger. Uh, and he, he doesn't know, he can't quite pinpoint it, but he often talks about like college yeah. and when she went away to college and yeah. him, I don't know if he felt hurt that they didn't keep in touch. So one thing I've always done is I'm like, anytime our kids go somewhere, whether it's a sleep over at a grandparent's house or the older girls just went to New York with my mom. I'm like, y'all are calling each other every night Yeah, <laughs> every I night that. that you're not here. I like that. We're going to do that. We're going to still see each other, talk to each other. If you're not going to say anything else, you're just going to say, how are you? But it is important. So I'm always looking for ways to try to at least cultivate, as you said, that care, concern, respect for one another, yeah. regardless of what the relationship looks like in their adult years. Yeah. Um, So there are so many questions that I think are universal to parenting, but everyone answers a little bit differently. And I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, So first I want to ask you how you would describe your parenting style. Mm, My style.
1: Uh, Loving. And I know that like maybe sounds like obvious or corny, but like, and certainly airing on corny, but it's like, I just want to, I want to like give them an abundance of love in hopes that they give that to others to themselves into each other and um even when they're like in trouble i try really hard to make to like be really calm to be really like explain things to them Mm -hmm. you you know you did this and that you made a bad choice Um, i don't say you're bad or good but you made bad choices so that's how i would describe it i wonder
0: what tommy would say what he would say about your parents yeah well i've seen you in action i think you're very loving oh thank you yeah i actually heard your podcast with your mom And she talked about a time that you went out dressed in some Daisy Dukes and makeup. And she said that she kind of discouraged you from it, said that was a bad idea, but then let you do it anyways. Are you that type of parent too? Where you're kind of like, I'll let them make their own mistakes. I'll voice my opinion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, granted, they're three and five. So the worst of that is like putting on a costume to go outside. (laughs) Um, But I don't see myself being as like open as my mom was in that scenario. I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm trying to think of an example now, but I would if they were super adamant about something. Mm-hmm. I never, because there's that weird line of like pushing them to anything mm-hmm. and then potentially rebelling or or whatever, or just like letting them be and letting them see how it feels to whatever it is mm-hmm. to not take a bath that day.
0: Oh, no, we're taking baths. <laughs> <laughs> we are taking baths every day. All right. How would you define success as a parent? Ooh, success
1: as a parent is for me, whenever they, whenever they honestly are like kind to each mm-hmm. other and, and to the adults in their lives. I mean, Brooks is in kindergarten, so yeah. the success is not defined by doing his homework. You know what I mean? Right. Um, also he's been very naturally doing all the work Mm -hmm. for like (laughs) at least three years. So I, I bought him a, how to write a paragraph book the other day and he's so excited about it and like chose to do (laughs) it on his own.
0: (laughs) Tell (laughs) him to write me a paragraph, I'll read them all.
1: (laughs) It's not success because it's innate, right? So Mm -hmm. I can't
0: take credit for it. But so that's why like I try to make them be... What do you mean by that? So success would be something you can take credit for or
1: yeah, well, that i that I like to attribute to okay. to my parenting, right? Mm-hmm. I do
0: not attribute my
1: parenting. I don't attribute his enjoyment of writing a paragraph through the how to write a paragraph workbook as as a success for me, except buying the book, you know, mm-hmm. like nurturing that part of him. Yeah, I guess that is success, but I just bought a book. that's that's all I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's an important part. Uh, the nurturing, yeah, it yeah. is. It's i I, I think overall, like
1: when all is said and done, I'll probably see it that way too, you know, because we absolutely, it's not just like, we'll buy every kid's book there is because we want them reading, Mm -hmm. but I do enjoy sort of finding something that like, oh, he'll really get into that and it'll, it will help him. It'll help him intellectually. It'll help him as a kinder person, like the mindfulness, he's got a mindfulness workbook and Mm an anger management workbook and all of those things. And so when he, when he enjoys those things that I get for him or, and we do it together, that feels like success. But the twins don't do none of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we already... The twins, their... Twins are their yeah.
1: own species. The babies. I actually try not to call them the twins. I've been doing it a lot more lately.
0: What would you say is the cycle you're trying to break as a parent? There's probably a lot of them. Um, so the
1: first is interesting because I probably, I did say that I would not want my parents to have done anything differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would not want my children to feel blindsided by anything mm-hmm. right? That, that, that I can control. And what I mean by that is like, if Tommy and I decided to get divorced, I'm not saying that we would like walk them through every problem that we were having right. up until that point. But if we made that decision, there needing to be discussion around whatever will ultimately come to light. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. And that, some version of that probably happened for me, but no, there was no mommy and daddy sit down. Mm-hmm. So transparency, but starting much earlier. So I use the divorce as an example, but transparency. Mm-hmm. I I try very hard to be really transparent with them. I'm really obsessed with the um like sex related biology related mm-hmm. conversations with them, not because of anything in my own childhood, but i there's a lot of stuff I read early on. Mm-hmm. um because I always wanted to be a parent, so there was a lot of things that I would like observe and read. And I guess at some point, I must have read something about sexual abuse happening, and it's like children don't know. Their yeah. body parts, so they don't know how to communicate about it. Yeah. They don't know about consent. Oh, about consent is, sounds very educational or whatever. But, like, they don't know they don't know what's right or wrong. Like, right. who's allowed to do what, you know. So I always wanted to protect them from the thing, the worst mm-hmm. things in the world. Same as black love. I was like, right. tell me the worst things that can happen in a marriage and how you get right. through it. <laughs> I was like, tell me the worst things that can happen to a child and how I can help prevent it. Right. And so I always wanted to give them language. hmm For their bodies and for consent. And so things like that, I think too with sex, for example, I wanted to be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations with them or even not be comfortable, but I wanted to force the conversations (laughs) that could be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so that they're not uncomfortable for For them. them. Yeah, So that there's no shame around bodies and all of that. Even if it's hard for me to do it with these Mm -hmm. little tiny people, those are the types of things I wanted to force because nobody did that with me, you know? Oh, one more. We didn't really talk about money either. Yeah, that's a big one. So I want to do better at that. Yeah. I mean, I just want to start earlier. I want to be as thorough as I can be uh, because, hey, because it's just a, it's a struggle. Like even if my family had talked about it, I know that I hated accounting and changed my major. And yeah. so that could have helped me in a lot of ways that <laughs> I stuck it out. So I, I do finance specifically. I want to talk more about that with them at every age.
0: That's something I don't know anything about talking to children. And I really, Ooh. I would love to interview someone who knows how to talk yes. to children about finances. Yeah,
1: as budget needs to. Here we come. Yes, <laughs> I would love it.
0: As of right now, we just let them watch us budget sometimes. But half the time I'm like, I don't know if we know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if they should watch this. <laughs> um, well, maybe it gives them. The, they know we're at least key talking key about language. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, What are some legacies that you would like to hold on to and pass on?
1: Uh, Certain holidays. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so Christmas Eve has always been a big deal in my family. Uh, My mom had a Christmas Eve party for like 30 plus years. I say had, she's, you know, COVID messed everything up, but, um, so it's changed a lot. But that's something that I want to continue. And also Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. dinner with a big family, not just our immediate family, but like, Finding whatever portion of our family we can go to or can come to us. right? Those, those two traditions are important to me. And then creating new ones. Yeah. What about HBCUs? I would love for them to go to HBCUs, but I know that with Tommy, I can't force that. Tommy's like huge into education. Not to say HBCUs aren't amazing. They absolutely are. But because of the fact that he is... Um, a super nerd, for lack of a better description, he's going to want them to, and I want them to know that everything is available to them, Mm -hmm. but he's going to, he's more traditional. He went to Carnegie Mellon. Like Mm -hmm. for him, he's going to want them to pursue the highest possible education. So Mm -hmm. where um, there's just certain institutions that are known for that, that aren't HBCUs. So I want them to go to HBCUs, them to go wherever they're happy like i'm not really that crazy about it but i want them to go wherever they're happy and for me that was an important part of my culture mm-hmm. and so it was a it was a very um a strategic choice for my life to right. go to an hbcu
0: right but academics college that's a must for the boys
1: it's not a must actually for me
0: oh okay.
1: Not. I just I think that but I think what's a must is like having a plan. Like I don't yeah. want them to just I'm not going to college, people don't do that no more. You yeah, know, like I don't <laughs> want that. <laughs> but I think that if they are talented at something or excel at something or mm-hmm. and or have a plan for something that doesn't require college. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean like a real plan. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Okay. But the reality is I think that a degree. Is yeah. an important thing to have because it keeps the doors open later, right? Um, but I'm not, I'm not um, married to it.
0: I thought you were going to say doctor. To be quite honest, really? I know that there's like a I long can't, line of doctor brooks. That either I would love that,
1: and I can't force that either. But I would love for any of my kids
0: to become doctors. I would love that. I wouldn't. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know. I just their lives don't seem fun to me. I mean, I'd support them if you my are. children wanted to be a doctor. It just looks like a, a lot. It looks like a lot. It is.
1: But you know, folks know how to um, balance things. I, and days. I guess it
0: depends what kind of doctor yeah, you are.
1: Absolutely. My dad has had his own practice. My mom and my yeah. dad had their own practice. So they were entrepreneurs in addition to lawyer and doctor. And that is super stressful.
0: It, But I think I do think that makes the doctor ask better. And I say that like, This is totally sidetracked. I apologize. But like a lot of doctors that I know got into it because they wanted to do something and then they couldn't do it because of the politics of where they were. And so that's the part that's really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. All right, friends. Well, make sure I, I have so many questions that I could ask you. I could do part two all night. I would love to do a part two because there are several questions that I did not get to. I want to talk more about school. Um, especially school choices and things like that and academics. Um, Those are things that parents worry about, wonder about. It's for some reason very competitive. And Mm. so it needs to be talked about. But I would definitely, there are so many things I would love to talk to you about. I thank you so much for being my first guest and for having Grace with me. Y'all, I'm still learning this podcast thing. And I know that a lot of us have loved learning more about you, loved learning more about your parenting journey, want to learn more. And I want to know if there are any exciting things coming up for you. Mm. Well, Black Love season six coming up this summer. Woo!
1: And lots of events coming around that. And of course the rest of the year, like our typical You Retreat, Women's Wellness Retreat and the Black Love Summit. And uh, yeah, just- When
0: is the You Retreat? Cause I have not made one yet. August. But you always repeat to the last one, what you mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> told me she was gonna be there oh you know what that's mel's that, fault we're gonna put that on mel are that, we? I, I was like on was my way uh-huh, <laughs> it was uh-huh. the same day and she showed up at my house and threw me off and i forgot that it was the same and then i started threw you off stories yes, because we talked
1: after the fact and she was like retreat. i knew there was something i was supposed to do yesterday I did.
0: it was bad that's what she said it was said, bad y'all. i was ready to go and then mel showed up and i totally forgot i had anything to do actually because i, sh- I could have t- took her with me we yes, could have been there could've. together have. Instead, I was sitting at home, checking my stories, looking at people at the retreat, like, dang it. Like, oh, that looks fun. <laughs> oh, well, I'm supposed to be there this year, yes. August. <laughs> it's it's mapped down. I'm going to write it down somewhere. I'm going to set an alarm for August and not just dinner <laughs> alarms. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> all right, friends. Well, make sure you keep up with Cody on Instagram at Cody Co. And make sure to keep up with all things Black Love at blacklove.com. Now we're going to eat beignets. Oh, yes. Y'all, we're going to go eat beignets. My oldest is making us beignets and she won't let us eat them because she's (laughs) very particular about her baking. But we're about to go bug her and eat them. It's time. Bye, friends. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. (laughs) Parenting for the Culture is executive produced by Cody and Tommy Oliver. Our senior producer is Crystal Hill. Art is by Koi Madison. Parenting for the Culture is a Black Love Podcast Network production.